Wealth management is not just for the wealthy. Everyone is entitled to their best retirement possible. Welcome to The Retirement Engineer with Jim Cruzan, your path to a bigger, bolder retirement. Brought to you by Caden Wealth Management, a firm that specializes in serving the mobility technology industry. In this podcast, we help you maximize your resources and engineer your best retirement through a process-driven approach so you can get the little things right. Drawing from years of expertise, Jim and his guests will simplify complex wealth management strategies and explore actionable ideas to help you protect your hard-earned wealth and take control of your future. Now, on to the show. Relationship management. You might not include that phrase when thinking about retirement planning, but it plays a very important role in Jim Cruzan's bigger, bolder retirement formula. I'm Patrice Sakora. Now, Jim, in a previous episode, you did hint that this relationship goes beyond simple collaborating with a financial advisor. That sounds like a wonderful thing, rainbow unicorns. But exactly what do you mean when you pair relationship management with retirement planning? No, you're absolutely right. We do think it's a, a an incredibly important component. Uh, the way we see it, relationship management is kind of the, the glue that holds this whole thing together. That component alone kind of makes the whole bigger, bolder retirement formula better. It it enhances and, and makes it, it makes the formula greater than the sum of the individual parts. If you think about it, when you start planning for retirement at an early age and you're accumulating your wealth over time, things change, families change, mm-hmm. families grow. Then you get to the point of retirement, and now you're starting to decumulate and spend and enjoy this this life savings. There are so many twists and turns within this this journey toward retirement that it's important to have a component that can check in and and see exactly what these changes are, understand the 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 problems that an individual is facing as they go through this journey and then make the adjustments that are needed to get back on track. If it was just simply for the first two components, advanced planning, where you're providing tactics and investment management, where you're handling the assets, and that's all you're doing Effectively, you may have a plan that winds up in an entirely different place than where you are currently at present time. And it's important to have this component that allows for check-in adjustments, modifications. So in our world, when we think of retirement or rather a relationship management, we think of it in in two specific subcategories. We think of it as client relationship management, and then professional network management. And we can certainly talk a bit more about both. Of course, that's what we're going to do. We're going to start with client relationship management. When you say that, are you referring to the client service part of the relationship or getting to know somebody relationship? When we think of client relationship management, we're really thinking about the the sum total of the the interface between the client and the firm and that may touch a number of people in a number of different categories within the firm client 
service is certainly one. And, and one could argue that the client probably interfaces with a client service or client experience team, perhaps even more often than they would interface with their financial advisor. But it's the, it's the sum total of, of that whole interface, what that looks like, frequency, et cetera. In fact, the best way to kind of explain client relationship management is really going back to journalism and looking at the who, what, where, when, why, and how. And let me just give you an example. So when we're talking about the the who as it relates to client relationship management, what we're really talking about is is who is administering the the, the services. Mm-hmm. Is it is it a single kind of one-off advisor who who might be a sole practitioner? Does the team does the financial adv- advisory firm use a team approach where there might be multiple advisors that sit in on meetings? Do they have other professionals that are engaged as well with the client? For example, client service, financial planning, investment management. These might be all subcategories or silos within the organization that also also interface effectively it's it's really about you know how many eyeballs are are responsible for tracking and following what's going on within the client's portfolio as it relates to their goals and objectives so that's the that's the who the what has everything to do with what exactly is the expectation of this relationship are you working with an advisor who essentially is simply providing money management, investment management? And, and the extent of the relationship is, is, is that. Are you working with a advisory firm that is providing investment advice, tactics, techniques, but as far as investment management and those kinds of things, you're somewhat left to your own devices? Or are you working with a firm that offers integrated, holistic wealth management that that is taking into consideration the full extent and scope of, of the client's resources? And to that extent, are we only talking about resources that they've accumulated outside of work or are we talking about the sum total of resources that the client is accumulating and growing over time? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, our experience when working with clients over many decades as they get to the point of retirement, the vast majority of their wealth is typically accumulated within corporate plans. And a lot of advisory firms really are are quite a bit more interested in in the liquidity event when those monies are released but there's an awful lot of care and feeding and counseling that should be done as those assets are accumulated within the plan so that's who and what when has everything to do with the the frequency of meetings and touch-ins is your relationship relegated to an annual meeting and that's all the interaction that you have. Is it a semi-annual meeting? Is it a meeting just with an advisor? Do you hear regularly from other team members on other issues or, 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 or things that are being worked on on your behalf? 
And when we talk about, about meetings, are there other interfaces? For example, are there videos or white papers or other educational deliverables that are, that are sent on a, on a regular basis? Other events that you, you may be invited to on an educational basis or an entertainment basis. So the, the when component, the frequency, the cadence of meetings and such are also really important. The world has changed since COVID. And, and, and so should the ability to be able to contact and meet with clients so the where component is very important. Uh, it used to be that meetings were always at an advisor's office. Today, it's just as easy and perhaps more convenient to have a, a Zoom meeting with a client from the comfort of their home than have them trudge off to an office somewhere. Instead of a meeting, does a teleconference work? So the idea is, do we have the ability to deliver the wealth management experience at the time that the client needs it and in a deliverable that the client prefers. And I think that's really important for us. It's all about reducing friction and these meetings and cadence of meetings can be quite cumbersome. So even today, three, four years removed from COVID, I would have to say that over the course of the week, I probably still have a few more Zoom meetings than I do face-to-face sure. -face meetings. Sure. And that would, would have been unthinkable, let's say, three years ago. We're so comfortable with that now. E exactly. Yeah. And, and there's quite a bit of efficiency involved in right. that as well. Zoom will never take the place of a face-to-face -face meeting because it's, it's more two-dimensional. And, and there's something about being in a space with another human being and sharing that environment. But it, that doesn't mean that every single meeting needs to be face-to-face -face. and it provides a lot of opportunity. You know, you can touch base with a client when they're on vacation, uh, <laughs> you know, because it's easy for them to just jump on a laptop for a few minutes. So it, it makes it quite a bit easier and uh, it just makes for a, a better experience. The why is also important because that's the, that's the kind of the root cause for why is the advisor or advisory firm in existence? What what gets them up in the morning to get to work? What what is the the base value and and the, their mission? Is 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 the advisor in the business to sell a particular product? And and they're looking at every relationship as an opportunity to place that product, or is is the mission something greater? Uh, our mission, for example, is to make sure that we're making an impactful difference in the lives of our clients. We believe that every client deserves a bigger, bolder retirement. And whatever we can do to drive that agenda, to drive that mission, that's what we're going to do. And it's important to understand that and make sure that the advisor and the client are in sync with that, that mission and mission statement. And then the very last aspect of the who, what, where, when, why, and how is, is how. And, and how has a lot to do with how do you determine value? How do you determine you're getting what you feel you should be getting out of the relationship? How do you know you're making progress? 
and you're driving closer to the end goal. What what is being done to be able to articulate that? And I'm sure we can talk uh, about that in, in in a little bit. But that's also really important. And and I don't think there's a lot of focus on that uh, as it relates to the client and the advisor relationship. I love this. Who, what, when, where, why, how. The breakdown is is fantastic. And it all makes so much sense, especially the why. That would be, to me, the first thing that a potential client would look at. The why. I, I certainly think so. At the end of the day, the the most important thing in, in a relationship is do we share common value? Right. Hmm? Do we... Are we both in alignment as to what we want to accomplish? Will my resources, meaning the client's resources, be aligned well with the resources of the advisory firm? And I feel that they have the capability and a mission to be able to drive this further and perhaps better than I would be able to do myself. Because if, if you can't answer that, if there's a question as to that, then there's really a question about the, the, the value statement. And that's, that's keenly important. Everything else seems to fall into line after that. It does. So we've got the client relationship management idea percolating here, but how is that different from professional relationship management? So in the course of, and, and it is, in, in the course of developing a financial plan or retirement plan in the course of delivering services, providing advice, often uh, we need to call on and bring into the and bring into the relationship outside expertise. And, and there's a myriad of, of experts at one point or another that might move in and out of a relationship. As an example, a CPA seems to be pretty obvious. Perhaps an attorney. Well, what type of attorney? Do we need an estate attorney? Do we need a family law attorney? Mm. Uh, because maybe you have a special needs child or you're facing a divorce. Do we need a, a real estate attorney or a real estate agent? In in the realm of insurance, we might need to seek advice from somebody who's an expert in in Medicare, especially as we're planning post-retirement health care and what that's going to look like and what are the costs involved in that. We may need to look at life insurance or or an agent that is is an expert in in liability insurance, whether that's homeowners or otherwise, because at the end of the day, when you accumulate great wealth, you want to go out of your way to try to protect it. Mm-hmm. And, and having liability coverage, umbrella policies, those types of things can really help. And then obviously mortgage brokers and others all factor into this thing as well. So the issue is, do you attempt to do that in an open or closed environment. Uh, and, and I've been doing this a long time, and I've seen a number of firms over many, many decades who have always tried or had the concept of, well, we want to be one-stop shopping. And they'll try to bring everybody together. And let's just say the results are are quite mixed. And, <laughs> and part of that is 
in many cases, the the volume of clientele that a, a large practice would have may or may not be large enough to support all of these experts. And then you might find that while you've got uh, somebody who checks the box, hey, I've got an agent here, or hey, I've got a an attorney here, when you think about best of breed, you're probably not getting the best of all the advisors who are now being assembled underneath your closed architecture housed within your practice. So we've always thought it's better to have kind of open architecture, seek out and develop relationships with best of breed. So if there's a need for someone, let's say an insurance agent, uh, I would rather send the client to a firm that's an insurance broker who's licensed with a multitude of different companies than, let's say, a, a local agent who is is licensed with a one particular company. And and in that, as as a financial advisor, that gives me the opportunity then to competitively quote, take a look at what is out there, and be able to drive the the best solution for our client. So you have a network of specialists. We do. I've assembled quite a uh, quite a large Rolodex, you know, over <laughs> over over the years. And, All right. And- How many people know what a Rolodex is? <laughs> yeah, these right, days? Right. I do. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. I uh, I I still have one. It's uh, it's dormant. I haven't been adding to the cards in, in my <laughs> Rolodex, but it's it's interesting because it it somewhat goes beyond as it should. It, it somewhat goes beyond, let's say, all the key contacts within the financial space. And what I mean by that is if if you are a, a an advisor and you are um, housed in a, in a particular community, uh, in our case, we have several offices, but you, you get to know through Chamber of Commerce and, and others, a number of other business owners, uh, a number of other service providers in, in a whole realm of, of other avenues. And it's really nice to be able to say, hey, I know a guy mm-hmm. who can do this. And and I've I have I have a lot of experience and we've sent a lot of clients this way and we've only heard good things. It's nice to be able to provide that in whatever area of expertise we might be able to provide that advice. So the referrals uh, are certainly quite uh, quite important and we drive a, a lot of referrals to a lot of folk within the community. So bottom line, though, does effective relationship management really contribute to investment success and growth? The bottom line? Without a doubt, successful relationship management enhances whatever you're doing with respect to investment management and whatever you're doing with respect to advanced planning. It it makes the formula better and it generally drives a significantly better outcome. And and there are a number of studies that, that have been out the last, let's say, 10 years trying to identify what is referred to as advisor alpha. And advisor alpha is just a fancy term. This alpha term is, is a, a fancy term for excess return, or or in this case, what how can we quantify this? this value that a that a 
advisor, a competent advisor who is schooled in in providing comprehensive planning, what what they can bring to the table. And uh, Vanguard has a white paper called Putting Value in Your Value. And essentially what they said is if you're working with a competent advisor who's providing meaningful investment management, executing advanced planning strategies and techniques, and is, is looking in and adjusting and critical pathing and making the critical changes that are needed as you're ebbing and flowing along your journey, that advisor over the course of a relationship should be able to improve one's wealth accumulation by about 3% per year, which is a sizable amount, especially when you're looking at an industry that generally is priced at about 1%. So it seems like a fairly attractive trade-off. Talk to me more about the 3%. What exactly does that mean? Well, I'm, I'm glad you're following up on that because a lot of people are confused to the extent that they would say, well, gee, I thought I heard working with an advisor will give me 3% a year better return on right. my investments. It, it's really not that. It's when you look at the sum total of one's wealth, how much money we have in the bucket, the thought is a competent advisor applying investment management advanced planning and uh, relationship management will help the bucket in total grow 3% more a year. Let me explain. An advisor does an awful lot of things. And there are a number of levers that can get pulled, which have a big impact on bottom line, big impact on the amount of wealth that can be accumulated down the road. Part of it is asset allocation. Are we overly aggressive or more conservative faced with a, a um, perhaps a problematic economy? Uh, do we want to take some risk off the table? Do we want to lean in and be a bit more aggressive uh, when it looks like the wind's at our back? Do we have the ability to structure cost-effective implementation? That just simply means, um, are we cognizant of taxation? Are we suggesting maybe we don't do this and we do something else because of the tax savings that it would would provide? You know, pulling money out of an IRA to make a house purchase versus mm-hmm. borrowing money, there's a significant improvement in one's net worth by borrowing versus pulling the money out and paying a significant amount of tax on top of the amount of money we need to pull out rebalancing uh where uh, we're retweaking and rebalancing the portfolio to take advantages of gains and losses or outperformance and underperformance behavioral coaching is one of the biggest things that a competent advisor will do uh, suggest alternative ways to do something walk people effectively off the ledge when they're scared <laughs> to death You've had a lot of practice in that the last couple of years. We we, we certainly have. Location is very important. What type of account and what type of strategy are we using based on asset location? And, And do we have assets allocated amongst 
different location. And I'm not talking about diversity from the standpoint of firms. I'm talking about diversity from the tax, from the perspective of tax lot. Do we have tax free? Do we have tax preferred? Do we have taxable? Um, and, and, and by having a combination of those, it provides a, a myriad of opportunity down the road in retirement to create these very efficient and effective cash flow strategies. And then obviously the, the last is cash flow strategy. How do you deal, deal with that? When, whenever you need money from an account, you just use your, your IRA or your 401k as an ATM, or, or do you look at other ways to access capital, create cash flow that might be much more tax efficient? So when you look at what an advisory firm can offer and, and look at in total, the adjustments, modifications, and changes they can make over an extended period of time, it goes to reason, as Vanguard suggests, that the end result is that you generally, by using an advisor who is schooled in these tactics, you'll wind up with a bigger bucket because you've paid less tax on accumulation, so you have more money to accumulate. Uh, the advisor may have over your 30 or 40 years of work experience needled you just enough that got you to put that much more money away than you would have otherwise. And as a result, you now have more. And Vanguard has, has thrown a lot of research money at this project and other firms have done the same. And the number generally is somewhere between three to 4% a year in terms of wealth accumulation. And that does not need to come from outperformance relative to a market or an index. So it does sound like relationship management, well done, really does contribute to the overall results. But how do you measure and communicate this to your clients? I mean, come on, you work with engineers. I know engineers. My dad was an engineer. They want to measure, evaluate. They want to see the numbers. So how do you have it? How do you? Show them this. Do you have tools yeah. or methods? What do you do? We we do, and and uh, it really goes back to the the. Uh, it really goes back forty years uh, to the beginning of of my career, and and back then, this whole idea of a financial plan was really some type of a uh, uh, a three hole punched binder with all these tabs <laughs> and it was kind of a brown fake leather kind My of My dad would have loved final. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, with with gold embossed, you know, financial planning and depending on the level of service your name would have been on it. And and you pr you present this to a client and the client pays for the plan and there's some there's 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 some pride in developing and presenting this thing. And you go through it with the client and you go through all these tabs and you talk about life insurance and you talk about accumulation. And then there'll be a couple of bullet points in terms of suggestions. And then you close the, the plan and you hand it to the client and then they take it home and they put it somewhere of importance, never to be looked at again. <laughs> And three, four years down the road, they, they haven't made any movement. <laughs> we're, we're just in the exact same place we started mm -hmm. um, because there's no follow-up. So what 
I decided to do a number of years ago, and we use this externally. We can show clients this. We also use it internally from the standpoint of kind of where we are and what we need to discuss or what we need to work on next. We developed something that we we call the advanced plan. I've always looked at other names for it. I would like to come up with a better name than advanced plan, but that's what we're using right now. And it's really a single sheet of paper. We've essentially taken this 65 page binder thing from 40 years ago, and we synthesized it down to a single piece of paper. If you think about it, any discussion you would typically have with a financial advisor or financial advisory firm can probably neatly be compressed into six key categories. Financial planning is kind of the catch-all. That's everything that would be outside of any of the others. For example, hey, do I buy or lease my next car? Hey, what do you think about uh, a mortgage? Should I get a 15-year or should I get a 30-year? What do you think? How much money should I put down? All those types of questions, incredibly important, kind of fall into that category. Then we have the category investment management, and they'll need to go into a lot of detail there. We understand what that is. That's what strategies are we using and how are we executing those strategies within the various accounts. Retirement planning is also a key component, and and we kind of view that as a a category onto itself. Risk management is a big catch-all as well, because that's all about taking risk and and transferring it to a third party. We do that with life insurance, we do that with health insurance, but it's also long-term care and many other things as well. Uh, So anything that uh, would deal with risk management from the standpoint of transferring to a third party can usually fall into that category. Also, self-insuring and other aspects. We talked about this in one of the previous episodes. And then uh, the next category is what I would call legacy. And legacy also includes charitable events uh, and, att- and, and charitable intent. So the idea is, hey, maybe I want to move some money to a next generation. Now that can be done through an inheritance, that can be done as lifetime gifts, that can be done through a college education fund program. But anything that would have to do with legacy, next generation kind of falls into that category. And there's a lot of heavy lifting that can be done there. And then the last category, which by no means is the least important, is tax management, which filters through everything we do. How can we develop tax-efficient cash flow in retirement? How can we, what's the trade-off between minimizing current tax and, and, and not building a tax trap 20, 30 years down the road? So there's a lot of things that could be done uh, with respect to tax management as well. And then what we do now that we have this single sheet of paper with these six components is we, we populate those based on the things that we know we need to educate a particular client on or things that we know we need to loop back to a particular client because of where they are, or what they have, or, or what they don't have in place at this point. And once we do that, it's very easy for us to then over time track performance, Mm -hmm. track movement, track accomplishments. And we do that by kind of red, yellow, green. So the idea is somebody who might be new to us and we're presenting these ideas, there might be an awful lot of red dots because these things are either not existent or what they have is is no longer functional. 
oh yeah, I've got a will. I, I got one of those things when my wife and I first got married and here you are, mm-hmm. kids are grown out of the house. Personal representatives have already passed on. That's probably not a very effective tool. So that would, in our vocabulary, uh, would be a, a, a red dot. And then it, we see motion. Uh, because over time, reds become yellows as it's work in progress. And then ultimately, yellows become greens as we've got something now that's executed, something that's not only executed, but tracking well and functioning. And, and then as life goes on, there's this interchange between the topics that we add to the list and the topics we take off. But we always have the ability to list and, and forevermore represent all those other adjustments that we've made. You know, we, we kind of do the same thing at the, at the firm. We, we have goals. Um, we have quarterly objectives that we want to achieve. And, and we're so busy doing what we're doing, we sometimes fail to look back on all the things that we've accomplished. Because tomorrow there will be more challenges and more goals. So a number of years ago, we decided, you know what, all the goals and objectives that we have at, at a firm level, we can categorize in, in a number of different buckets, financial, investment, uh, office management, or, or personnel, HR, whatever. And then we decided, you know what we'll do to celebrate this? We will take little rocks and we'll paint the rocks various colors, each color representing one of those categories. And then we'll take those rocks and we throw them in a, a rock garden, kind of oh, behind the building. Oh, yes. And, and you know, without celebrating this and noticing this, it's like you walk by and say, holy crap, there's a lot more rocks there. There's a lot more colored rocks there. That, that pile yeah. is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, we're trying to do the same thing uh, from the standpoint of articulating progress because it's really about progress. It's how can we develop a bigger, bolder retirement? And here are the things that we're doing as we're moving this along. Because life moves glacially. Mm-hmm. You know, It's hard to really quantify movement over a short period of time. And that's what we're attempting to do. I love the rocks idea. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Jim, this has been a great mini-series. We've gone into the bigger, bolder retirement formula, breaking down its vital building blocks to make it a fresh and effective strategy for planning for your golden years, and they will come. Today's episode underscored the power of relationship management, emphasizing how it not only brings people together, but it also has the potential to enhance your financial well-being. Now, in our upcoming episode, we will tackle a common misunderstanding. Wealth management is not just for the wealthy. So if you've been listening and thinking, ooh, these concepts are great, but I can't afford a wealth advisor, or, or maybe you're thinking, I don't think I have enough savings to engage someone who can help me coordinate these decisions and strategies, just wait. We will share practical solutions and valuable planning considerations for all the different stages of life. For a copy of the Bigger, Bolder Retirement Formula and other free retirement planning tools, please visit this episode's show notes. And if you'd like to take a closer look at how the Bigger, Bolder Retirement Formula can enhance your retirement plans, you can contact Caden Wealth at 800-638-6900 or visit cadenwealth.com, click Get Started, 
That link is also in the show notes. And of course, please be sure to subscribe to the Retirement Engineer podcast so you don't miss future episodes and follow at Caden Wealth on social. Let us know what you think in the comments, share topics you'd like us to discuss in future episodes. Following and sharing this podcast helps our small show make a bigger impact. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Retirement Engineer. Thank you for listening to The Retirement Engineer with Jim Cruzan. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.cadenwealth.com or give us a call at 800-638-6900. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of Jim Cruzan and this episode's guests, not necessarily those of Caden Wealth Management. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.